0: Whenever a new language-based artificial intelligence comes out, Joe and his writing friends try to break it. When Cleverbot went live, they tricked it into logic circles. When Cortana came out, they pushed it beyond its ability to improvise in a conversation. A few weeks ago, when ChatGPT emerged as the end-to-all, beat-all of language AIs, Joe and his friends were ready to put it through the gauntlet. First they treated Chat GPT like a doctor and asked if it diagnosed medical symptoms. Symptoms like high fever, swollen extremities, peeling skin, and red tongue.
1: I read this one article about something called Kawasaki disease. It
0: would explain the fever and the rash, but there would be other symptoms, the strawberry tongue and peeling skin and red eyes. And the AI correctly guessed that they were talking about lymphatic disease like Kawasaki. Then they gave the following sentence. The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog and asked Chat to rewrite in the style of H.P. Lovecraft. The AI responded with,
1: The cabalistic fox, its fur a sepulchral brown, leapt over a hound of singularly languid demeanor, its eyes glazed with the dreamless sleep of the ages.
0: We told it to rewrite parts of Casablanca except to give the protagonist Tretz syndrome. This is what happened.
1: Rick. We'll always have Paris. We didn't have it. We lost it. Until you came to Casablanca. We got it back last night. Ilsa. And I said I would never leave you. Rick. I, I, and you never will. Well, we've got to jump to... to, to I can't... I'm going. You can't... can't, can't follow. Ilsa. So so we just stay here? Rick. Yeah, yeah, here. This is the uh, end of the line.
0: For the last few decades, science fiction movies have promised a future where artificial intelligence is capable of doing our thinking for us. So, is today the future? Was Rick right? Is this the end of the line? <laughs> You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self-empowerment and all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then we use science and history to bust those myths and re-engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd Laments, the extrovert.
1: And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer layer of no duh on the internet.
0: How did ChatGPT get started? To tell the story, We asked ChatGPT to explain it like a fairy tale. Once upon a time, there was a computer scientist named Dr. Sarah who wanted to create technology that would allow people to communicate in a more natural and meaningful way. One day, while Dr. Sarah was doing research, she stumbled across an interesting concept called natural language processing. Natural language processing is a form of artificial intelligence that allows computers to understand human language. Dr. Sarah was intrigued and set out to create something revolutionary. After months of hard work, she finally unveiled ChatGPT. It's able to understand the context of conversations and to generate appropriate responses. So there you have it, straight from the AI's mouth. Except there's one problem with this Origin story, there's nobody named Dr. Sarah listed on the open AI's research team. Today, we're busting myths about AI that's been appearing in headlines and videos all week. mislike like myth one new AI are released every week. They're not too impressive. How much more important is chat GPT really? Myth two, okay, if AI is about to replace a few jobs, what's the chopping block? Movies like iRobot and Star Wars show robots replacing menial labor. Surely a chat program couldn't do the jobs of doctors or lawyers, could it? And myth three, are people already using chat to make money? If so, how do we get on the ground floor? We're gonna get into our myths, but first I wanna ask Joe about the accuracy of information we're getting from his ai
1: when i started writing this i wanted to sort of get a feel for you know how relevant is the information provided in chat um when we say chat we do mean chat gpt for the rest of this recording that way we don't have to continually pronounce (laughs) a a a tongue twister slightly chat gpt does not roll off the tongue very easily that'd be that'd be that'd be a lot easier But this is the AI that is basically going to be the first step toward replacing modern jobs. It's going to take the place of clerical work and middlemen and a lot of industries that might surprise you, um, but it has limitations. We're going to just basically start right at the beginning by saying that it's limited, so you don't have to immediately worry for your job unless you're a writer, which, I mean, in my case, yes, I have to worry for... You know, what can I do that it can't do? Um, So first, we'll talk about how old is the information it provides. Now, this thing was programmed years ago, and the founders have actually come out and said that's its limitation, is that it was programmed a couple years ago. It it can't make up things that have never existed. It has to access and iterate based on what's out online. I asked ChatGPT itself, um you know how up to date is the information you provide and it said in quotes the age of the information we provide varies depending on the source generally information information is up to date and accurate but we can't guarantee accuracy or timelessness of the information now this is funny because like the opening of our episode said we asked it for an origin story we didn't go to chat gpt's website and just look up about the founders and you know who invented it who wrote its code we did that Of course, obviously, just for good journalism, but we asked the AI itself, and it totally invented a story about this Dr. Sarah, which as far as I can tell, she is not on the list of programmers or founders, and she's not on their... It's a shockingly small team, by the way. I was going to turn that into a clever question. I was going to be like, Todd, how many people do you think it took to make an AI that's going to replace all of our jobs?
0: I could just see her in this... I can see her in this lab lab coat, right? Like, well, <clears throat> to answer your question, <clears throat> armies of people, thousands and thousands of people, right?
1: Yeah, and this one mythical person, Doctor Sarah, is standing in a white lab coat, staring at like a glowing brain, like made out of like jelly with like little little lights in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> something so similar, so, something like that. Yeah. Um,
1: the the OpenAI team, that's who designed it is um, they're a non-profit and they've got like 10 people and one of their backers slash founders totally ironically is elon musk he co-founded OpenAI back in 2015 and um really yeah
0: that shouldn't be surprising that shouldn't be surprising at all right that seems right up his alley
1: it it shouldn't be surprising the thing that surprised me was that he resigned three years later uh, like in in 2015 he helped found it and then in 2018 he left so like Elon Musk is like no this thing is too much of a um a, an existential risk you know like he he's been on record several times saying artificial intelligence is dangerous as hell and we should stop playing around with it so much and he resigned you know 4 years ago from chat gpt and then lo and behold you know this year in last month really GPT explodes and becomes available in almost every industry. Like, overnight. Uh, I mean, almost literally. Um, now, before this, um, are you familiar with the, the Turing test?
0: No, I've never heard of that.
1: Okay. So, there was a, a movie that came out a while back um, about Alan Turing called The Imitation Game, where he basically invents the first computer. And he, he invents it, and it's massive, and it takes up a warehouse... And it has all these, like, dials that are moving because he's trying to crack the German Enigma machine, like this extremely advanced, you know, German code that's winning the war for the German side. Alan Turing is a brilliant, basically the first computer programmer who who solves it. And he, he does it with his Enigma machine. But here's the trick is he says, you know, someday computers will be so advanced that when you talk to one, you won't be able to tell if it's human or not. And since he made that statement, we have something called the Turing test. The Turing test is, um, you know, people, uh, judges are put in a room. They are judging blind, so they can't see, um, you know, the computer or who's behind the computer. They can't see if it's a human or if it's a program. They just are sitting at a chat window, kind of like you and I are are like sitting at like Discord or in Zoom. And all we can see is the, the words coming out. And they're told that, you know, 50-50 chance this is a human or it's a robot. And if the robot can, can convince judges it's human, that by its reactions and its responses, if it can convince somebody, hey, I'm a person, you pass the Turing test. You're technically an AI. Um, the first one to actually pass it was um, Cleverbot, which was, you know, some years ago. And when Cleverbot came out, it was like this. It, it was, you know, made news. It, it seemed like it was going to be big. But it was really hard to apply CleverBot to you know a job. It passed the Turing test just barely. It squeaked by. Um, the way it it did it is it pretended to be like a fourteen year old like Ukrainian or Russian girl. So it it claimed its language wasn't good. Like it it was having trouble you know figuring out the right words. So it covered for its own lapse in language ability by basically pretending to be somebody else. It's interesting. I think I think that's cheating. By the way, <laughs> um, ChatGPT is clever enough to where it it you know scrapes all of the internet for what you're asking it, and then is able to understand the context of your question. That part is probably the most important part. Um, so when Todd was introducing this, he he said it was a um, generative pre-trained transformer. Um, I'm not a computer scientist, but from what I can understand, what it does is it, it takes what you ask it, contextualize it based on what's online, and then it, it puts it into, you know, it, it responds with an amalgamation of everything it can find. So if I ask it, um, give me an article about, you know, the history of dog training, it will look at my sentence, figure out what I'm asking for figure out what other people have asked for using the same kind of language, and then it will deliver that based on all of the articles it can find online about the history of dog training.
0: Well, this this reminds me of, you know, we did some speeches about uh, about Abraham Lincoln and that some ridiculous amount of books have been written by him. So I think it's 45,000 to 50,000 published novels about Abraham Lincoln's life. So you're telling me that this thing we could ask every single one of those books (laughs) from Abraham Lincoln's and it could, it could spit that all back at
1: us. (laughs) Yes, it could. Everything, everything that's been written about Abraham Lincoln, it can potentially grab them and then like figure out of, of the hundreds of sources. How could it, yeah, it can boil them down. Yeah. How could
0: it organize all how, how could it organize all that?
1: Well, from what I understand, if, 40 of them say that Abraham Lincoln was the guy that chopped down a cherry tree, which we know it wasn't, and if, you know, uh, 300 of them say Abe Lincoln was the guy who owned a ferry and a bar and, like, used to fistfight uh, um, bullies in alleyways, it'll take the, the one that's been written about more and has been, you know, has more provable articles that, that has more sources. Um, and it'll cite sources as well. If you say, show your sources, it'll give you websites. Now, here's where it gets a little bit sticky. Um, you know, last night, I was trying to get it to help me with an article that we're going to have coming up. We're going we're gonna to have a podcast episode about the world's wealthiest dog, a German shepherd that's worth $500 million. And I asked ChatGPT to give me information about it. Um, the reason why Google right now is freaking out about ChatGPT as a competitor is because it's open source, meaning it's free, Anybody can log in and use it, and you can go in and use it as a very accurate search engine. You know, all of those, like, you, you search something on Google, you're going to get, like, a whole page of ads now. Like, all of them are sponsored Google uh, web pages. Well,
0: yes, very, very familiar. Yeah, very familiar.
1: <laughs> Chat GTP doesn't do that. You can ask it for an article. It will just simply tell you the information. It doesn't do what Google does, which is it it takes its most popular article and takes a snippet of it and gives you that snippet. And that's your answer. When you ask a question, ChatGPT, you simply just ask the question like you would a person. And then it, it gives you an answer and it's based on, here's what most of the internet thinks this answer is. Um, we, however, ran into a problem. Uh, we ran into the Dr. Sarah problem when we asked for its origin story. It introduced a totally fictional character, Dr. Sarah who helped invent it. Um, when I asked it about this five hundred million dollar dog, you know who owned it beforehand, and it it said it was um, Countess, you know Charlotta, and it it told me she was you know born in the eighteen hundreds, died in nineteen forty nine, you know owned this dog, owned these properties, used to have like um uh, uh you know was a a public funder um what do you call that uh when somebody their job is that they angel
0: angel funding or angel investor or... yeah
1: yeah it basically said like that's how she ran her her Empire the the problem is that I went digging for that person and they don't exist either so like chat GPT is designed to be able to write fiction if you tell it you know tell me a story about fairies and goblins it'll do that it, it's happy to and they're actually not bad like they're not great we'll get into its limitations but you know, it'll it'll tell you a good bedtime story. It'll also do that when you ask it for factual things. Now, ChatGPT, their team has um, tools to narrow that down. You can say, "Give me factual information." You can also say, "You can list out facts, and it will continue your list." So that's that's the big way that you can get facts from it is, you say, "You know, here are seven facts about how to get the best night's sleep." It will give you 8, 9, and 10, and they will be accurate, and they will be from good sources. But sometimes if you ask it for a lie, if you ask it for information that doesn't exist, it won't tell you, I don't have that information, it doesn't exist on the web. It'll make something up, and it will give you links that do not work.
0: Interesting, interesting.
1: Now, you would think that its ability to fictionalize and make things up might slow down progress. Um have you heard about the uh the court case that's about to be fought using an ai instead of a lawyer
0: so instead of the public defender getting up there and pleading your case you just put in like <laughs> i'm trying to understand this <laughs> <laughs> or do you just or you just read what it says the defendant just reads what it says so it, it stood in for an attorney is that what you're saying yeah.
1: have, okay a question have you ever had a um, have you ever met with a defense attorney for any reason
0: I have, I have, yeah. Did they seem tired? Shocking, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're overworked and exhausted. How can they care? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a tough job. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Public defenders are underpaid, and they do, I mean, like, if you watch CSI, uh, public defenders are always, like, the villain, like, they're trying to get the bad guy off. But in reality, it's kind of, um, depending on what county you live in, it's kind of the public defender's job to defend against, like, um, overzealous charges. Um, I'm, I'm thinking... They use... Uh, Radiolab and This American Life have both, both put out episodes about um, comp stats, uh, um, which are basically like when the police use neighborhood statistics to go over police a neighborhood... And it's not about poverty so much as it's just about, you know, they, they realize that this neighborhood, you know, they get more tickets when they go to this neighborhood. Like, they, it's literally, they make more money. Um, there was a, a city like Miami Gardens where they would just arrest people in mass or, or ticket them in mass. That was the bigger issue is they would give them minor infraction tickets everywhere all the time. There, there was a guy that they talked about in their episode on Radio Lab that had 90 tickets and it's just because they knew that by looking at the comm stats, almost nobody in that city would fight a um, a court case because they didn't have enough defense lawyers. Like like you could not get a good defender, you know, even even a public defender. You you're, The wait list was ridiculous. And most people didn't have the time because they were hardworking, you know, uh, middle class folk. They didn't have the time to go in and defend themselves. So... We have a case coming up. Uh, this is um, the the founder uh, and CEO of a uh, consumer liberation startup is the way it's called. That that sounds weird to me, but it's it's called Do Not Pay. And what they're testing is they're going to give people who have gotten traffic tickets Google Glass. So these people put on a pair of glasses, and they're going to defend themselves. <clears throat> And this exact chat program, uh, it, it's a, OpenAI's ChatGPT 3, is the open version of this. I mean, literally anybody can go online because it was made. Uh, this company made it open source, made it open to everybody. You don't have to pay anything. You just sign up or you get a copy of it, and you can make it do what you want. You can you can change the um, the user interface if you're good with computers. You can um, you know put it to anything. You can put it to any task you basically want. And the one they're trying is uh, law. Um, So uh, the founder, Browden, uh, attended Stanford University. And he wanted to sort of help consumers fight against large corporations and beat things like parking tickets and bank fees and like suing robocallers. So he is putting this AI to work uh, by hooking it up with Google Glass so the defendants will wear these glasses and when they bring up their case to the judge, they just read what's on the prompter. So, like, the glasses will show them what court case or precedence or law they have to refer to. Because, honestly, that's what most public defenders or, or at the very least, paralegals, their job is. They're supposed to know which laws to reference and which, you know, what statements to make. You know, it's it's... Some lawyers are using narrative, like if you are, you know, watching like a, um, a murder defense, then you're heavily relying on narrative. That's, that's you know, they have to know what cases to argue and what precedence is to argue, but but a lot of it is they just have to turn to the jury and, and make the, base, the best case, the best argument. But there are lesser crimes where it's almost entirely precedence and law. And if you can access those, if you can have a machine... Look at the entire legal library, look at all of the precedences set in your state and just prompt that to you, feed it to you on a little, you know, uh, almost like somebody's holding up a cue card in the audience and you just defend yourself using the best information possible. Do you think that is better than having like a a red eyed, exhausted lawyer who's already defended 10 cases that morning and can't possibly be bothered (laughs)
0: I think, well, it's definitely going to be yeah, it's going to be so much more consistent. I would think, which is kind of the key to any kind of mastery, right? Is I I think I think the prep time thing, uh, you can't you just can't compete with it. I also c- can't, couldn't help but think about for healthcare professionals how much safer this would be, right? Right. So let's. <laughs> we we just we came out of COVID, and the nurses. Not to change the subject, but I just think all these different, you know, just to be that consistent. You know, because humans aren't perfect, anyways, right? <laughs> right. So let's let's
1: let's take that into a hypothetical. Um, how? Let's start with small crimes. Todd, you have um, broken the law. You sped through a red light, and you've got the option between an exhausted public defender and this AI. I mean, like literally right now. This isn't hypothetical. In in ten months, it's this AI can access all of the legal library. Would you let it? you know, defend you versus, uh, you know, it's like a $1,000. Let's say you're going to be fined $1,000 if this thing fails. So would you take this over a
0: exhausted public defender? it's hard to say yes (laughs) it's hard to say yes i guess because i'm old i want to trust a person right i'm still one of those people that's like i like to deal directly with my farmer's insurance agent you know i mean i'm I'm against downloading any new apps i'm against any new platforms because i have air paralysis so i'm not ready yet no okay what about you joe (laughs) Are you? I think I think. <laughs> Are
1: you ready for um for things that I can pay my way out of if it's not too bad. Like if I lose a thousand bucks, then it was worth it because then I get to write an article about how I let an AI defend me. If it's you know if, if it's getting more severe, like felony is like what two thousand dollars. If if it if it goes up in you know it's defending me against shoplifting or something. I mean I'm not going to shoplift, but say I say I know I didn't do it. Some other guy next to me. You know, took um, two thousand dollars worth of televisions out Walmart's door, and they think it was me. The, the they've got you know my fuzzy back on camera, uh, leaving the store, and they're like, "That was you. You shoplifted two thousand, a uh, felony territory, maybe. I, I might, you know, if I meet my public defender and he's very disappointing, I take an AI <laughs> medical stuff. Okay, so say it's a a cold. Like you come in, you're not that worried. You're thinking like, okay, you know, this could be COVID, but it feels more like a throat tickle. I think I'll be fine. I could sleep through this, but I'm just doing this for diligence. Would you, if the hospitals let an AI diagnose you and on its diagnosis, they would give you meds? Like if it, you know, if, if the AI says, yes, you have COVID, they give you the Paxovid and they send you home. Like if it was low stakes like that, would you let an AI, you know, diagnose you medically?
0: Low stakes, yes. <laughs> because That's kind of what we do right, anyways. Right, I talk to you, I, I Google it, it's the same thing I do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, what about you?
1: I think i do it. I mean, I practically that's almost what's happening anyway. I
0: mean, the, the nurse that's what you do, any, yeah. Before we go to doctors, we have to tell them what to what we want. We'd say, Hey, my friend of mine, we watch commercials on TV, we look them up, and then we go to the doctor, say, Hey, my friend had this. and... I think it helped them, or whatever we say, right? We lie, right?
1: We we fill out a questionnaire. I mean, even if you go in for a, a regular treatment, you fill out a questionnaire online half the time anyway, and you tell them here's what feels bad. So, yeah, it's 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 becoming interesting because the low-stake stuff. If if anyone thinks that this is this is no biggie, that you know Todd and I are willing to have it diagnose our cold and to um you know, uh, defend us with like very low stakes property theft, colds and property theft are like 80% of what doctors and lawyers deal with. (laughs) If you you have these machines dealing with the low stakes stuff, just the low stakes stuff that nobody cares about, then you free up the system so much. Now, I, I know that sounds good when I say free up the system, but what it really means is companies will realize they can hire less people and they will still work their humans just as hard it's not like they're gonna like oh now our lawyers can take an hour extra break each day or our doctors don't have to work 12 hours overnight every day the companies will still make the hard decision and by hard i mean like hard on the employees to do these things but it means that we will have less people doing the the low stake stuff so here's the more dangerous part of this. Like, when, we, when Elon Musk was freaking out um, and saying he didn't want any part of this, it wasn't because it was about to replace uh, the menial parts of doctors and lawyers. And by the way, if anybody thinks that, like, maybe in 10 years it will replace all lawyers, that's possible. Uh, I had somebody online ask me, what does that look like? And I didn't have an answer. I was like, what does it look like when uh, robots defend every case? And I looked up online in the comments section uh, lawyers responding to ChatGPT. And by the way, there are, there are now, like almost overnight, there are professional lawyers who are responding to this. Um, the Legal Eagle is a, a very um, uh, well-known YouTube personality. And mostly what they're talking about is there may come a day where you go to court, you file your own charges. Like you basically tell an AI what you did or what your defense is or what you think you could, you know, like, like, here's my alibi. And all it does is it it takes into account legal precedents, like it, it crunches the data, it looks at law libraries, and it just formulates a automatic response to the judge and to the jury. And then those get sent to them at their homes, or, or, <laughs> or it, it, you know, like, like this thing basically files almost like a one page form, explaining, you know, your defense, or explaining your prosecution, either one. And so, you know, jury duty might be a thing where you just wake up in the morning, you check your phone, you read a one-page defense or you read a one-page, you know, uh, description of the crime, and then you just click, you know, guilty or not guilty. (laughs) Because if this thing is so accurate and so good and we can prove that it has um, more accurate metrics or or statistics or, or that it's, you know, better at formulating a defense than a lawyer, then what we're looking at is a system where, like, you know, justice really is almost literally blind, like where, you know, you, your judge just gets a piece of paper that says, you know, your name and your information and then, you know, what you could have possibly done. Um, I know that's kind of like sounds dystopian to some people that, hey, I'd like to have humans judge me. Um, but that's also part of what's really wrong with the legal system now is like you, you have people with low socioeconomic class come into court and they are assigned more time. Like, everybody knows about... We had an episode about Influenza Kid. Or no, Affluenza Kid. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the judge took a look at, at his family and their wealth and took a look at the kid who didn't know any better. Like, he killed three people by driving recklessly drunk and showed no remorse whatsoever. In fact, he tried to, like, flee the state just to get out of his parole or his, his um, you know, his his sentencing... And it was argued that, like, he, he couldn't be held accountable for his actions because he was so privileged he didn't know right from wrong. If instead of a case like that, what we get is a one-page summary sent to a judge without the socioeconomics, without looking at this kid and, and seeing that he is extremely privileged or that his family is pillars of the community, quote-unquote, then what happens then? Like, it's just looking at a stat sheet and deciding, okay, this person should be in jail. I don't know. Would, would you want a statute representing you in court or would you rather appear and make your case personally?
0: I think, well, as charming as I am, I would think that the, our human whining is is important, right? This is how we get away with things. We whine. Whining works. We did an episode about that, too. I, that's why kids whine. Yeah. And I don't think the AI can whine. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's interesting that you followed this from the beginning. How how much faster how much quicker did this happen than you thought it was going to happen?
1: It it was overnight. Um when Cleverbot and Cortana came out, I was um I was hyped, like I really wanted it to be this. I was excited because I'm like it passed the Turing test, that means we're going to have something that can take, you know, can can lessen the workload and and can do jobs. Um this came out I didn't hear about it initially. Like I was not like day one on board with it. I, I wasn't checking articles. It didn't show up in like if it showed up in Gizmodo, I missed it. Um, but then one of my writer friends uh, messaged me, and his messages were cryptic. He, he was he was putting into our our weekly sort of chat. He was just dropping in um, information uh, like like examples of. This thing acting like an editor, a a fiction editor, because we participate in the same contest and we write fiction and, you know, we're both published writers. And he was dropping in these notes that looked like an editor had written them. He had notes where it was like, uh, you know, shorten these sentences up, uh, increase the amount of dialogue from your main protagonist. It sounds like you're, we're not getting enough perspective from him in this chapter. They were incredible. Like, I, I was like, did you get... Did you get an editor to, to respond to you? Like, usually you don't get that kind of privilege of an editor's response. It's like, oh my God, you know, once, you know, every quarter, maybe you'll have an editor tell you, uh, you know, a single note. It will usually be like, you know, do this small thing. Cut cut 300 pages or 300 words here or, you know, change the language here a little bit. And that's all you get. You you have to resubmit and just pray for another three months. He was getting these responses instantaneously. And I looked closer And he he kind of pulled the reveal. He's like, no, this is a robot. Uh, I am submitting these, and I'm asking it to edit for me as if it is a a publishing house. And it worked. Its notes were really good. Like, I read through them, and I read through what he had been writing, and they were accurate. And it was kind of scary. I'm like, oh, what are editors going to do? What are, you know, what are these slush editors who have to sort through, you know, 800 submissions and reject them all, you know, to be the next novel. What are they going to do for a job now?
0: Well, what about the opportunists like yourself? You want to get ahead of this, and how can you use this to make yourself rich? Okay,
1: well, we're going to leave that as a little bit of a teaser because there are people right now um, getting rich on it, uh, supposedly. Um, If you believe their YouTube channels, allegedly people are getting rich. But there was first sort of a stumbling block that they had to overcome. And the stumbling block is, um, like, like if, if I am an influencer online and I want this thing to write my Twitter blurbs for the next, you know, uh, 100 tweets, um, I could pay a human to do that. It's like $4 a tweet, I think, is this going rate right for Twitter. Um, I could have this thing write my blog entries blog entries are between thirty bucks and two hundred dollars per you know blog article depending on what company you pay. Um you could have this thing do it, but we have had a bad history of uh artificial intelligent Twitter bots and blog bots. Um do you remember uh Taybot?
0: No, what is that?
1: There was um there was an artificial intelligence that Microsoft put on Twitter a few years back. And I, I was wondering if you had heard of it because it, it hit the news. And the reason it hit the news was all bad. Um, <laughs> Taybot was supposed to be a teenage girl. And like She, she had a, a, a female face in the little avatar. And uh, Microsoft was like, this is it. This chatbot is going to learn from everyone on Twitter all at once. We're going to teach it to communicate like you, you know, like the people do. Um, and they asked everybody on Twitter, they're like, interact with it as much as possible. Tell it jokes, ask it questions you know react to it you know treat it like somebody else on twitter the reason it hit news um you know like like international news overnight is because people jumped online and taught it to be a racist sexist monster in less than a day <laughs> in under 24 hours oh, it was like using the n word and like holocaust denying and like like using the like the worst language it could possibly think really of yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, this is giving you joy i can tell it was so funny i i because (laughs) i I never underestimate the uh trolly shittiness of the internet and the people there so it was a lot of fun for me to watch i'm like yeah of course you you taught this bot to repeat anything it hears it's gonna do that it's it's like a child learning literally it it had about the intelligence of you know a a child who is starting to learn language um but then you you flash forward it's like you can't Obviously, we can't monetize something that, you know, learns from everybody simultaneously and, and repeats the worst stuff. You would start with, um, say we wanted to start a shoe company, and we told that bot, you know, uh, tweet about our shoes every hour and make it, you know, clever, funny, and interesting. And then the next day, it was repeating extraordinarily racist or or sexist things or or if it was just saying, you know, even if it was just dirty jokes that it heard from, like, you know, uh, uh, Rufus, the the guy next to the you know, working the garbage truck. Like, if it's just repeating awful jokes, that would still be you know, crushing to our brand. Um, this thing, ChatGPT, the moderators can implement sweeping adjustments to tell the bot to not be racist or even political, actually, and and the bot can understand enough to implement them. Now, because political websites and political channels get paid to be political and to politicize everything. That started almost immediately with this bot. Overnight, the the moderators declared, you know, this thing can't talk politics. It, it can tell you who Donald Trump is. It won't take sides. It can tell you who Joe Biden is. It won't take sides. And um, Hot Air and a couple of other um, political websites, like MSNBC, started calling it... like They started saying that it was... Um, it was left-leaning because it, you know, wouldn't tell you the truth, quote-unquote. And there were a couple of left-leaning websites that said it was right-leaning because it would give you too much information about, you know, Trump or the right side. They, they didn't want to say anything at all. Um, in fact, I've, I've looked at how they have the, you know, the adjustments, the, the sweeping adjustments to leave out certain subjects. I think it was the right choice. I think not having it engage in political rhetoric is the smartest thing they could have done because we in America can politicize anything, even if it hurts us. We, we can take a plague and politicize it. We can take, you know, how wet it is, you know, like the, the weather, and we can politicize it. If we can make money off of making it a political issue, the news will. So I, I'm very glad they kind of have a type of filter on it. So we're not going to have the issue that Taybot had. We can basically just take this thing and tell it, yes, just talk about our shoe brand for 100 tweets, and it, it'll do it. Um, have you had the, the lovely experience of browsing through YouTube and looking at the guys that are uh, trying to sell AI businesses to people?
0: Yeah, I've actually signed up for a, a service called Jasper, and I've been playing around with that um, just in prep for the show. And it's been pretty cool. I, I, I have to... Um, isn't this bad for Google? I mean, instead of asking Google, won't we ask, is this going to be... How much more accurate would this be? How much more information is this pulling from comparable to Google?
1: From what I can tell, it is almost the same way Google works. Where, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a programmer. Uh, I'm a writer, so, like, uh, I am giving you almost like the sci-fi version of my understanding. Um but it is doing Google's job. Like it is scraping the internet, it is checking backlinks, it is looking at you know, um, answers and taking an amalgam of them and feeding them to you. Um, Google so heavily favors its own clients at this point and heavily favors you know, its own answers and, and things. So this thing is doing Google's job, but a little bit better as soon as they teach it to not fictionalize the answer sometimes like our, our countess who owned the $500 million dog. What, once it, once it stops lying about, you know, Sarah, the inventor of its, of its, you know, program, then we will have something more powerful than Google. It'll be able to give you whole sentences or whole explanations. Um, I asked it to explain to me the first chimney ever built and it gave me an extremely comprehensive answer that was accurate. It told me it came from you know this castle. It was the Count of Surrey, like like he or the Duke of Surrey. Um, he, he was trying to invent something that would keep his house, or his castle warm, but also draft the hot air back out. Like it, it it gave me more information than most of the articles I could find. In fact, it pieced together six or seven really good articles into one narrative. That is so much work in so little time for you know a, a human doing that. It would be a couple of hours. There's a, there's a problem though. Like if you and I are going to set up a business with this, um, getting instructions for that can be challenging. Um, so YouTube, I don't know if you've noticed this over the past, you know, four or five years. Um, YouTube has gone from a place of like hijinks and fun to, um, it monetizes videos that are basically like it. it, All videos look like the same thing now. All videos look like Mr. Beast. Um, are you are you familiar with Mr. Beast? By the way,
0: no. What's Mr. Beast? <laughs>
1: Mr. Beast is a, um, uh-huh. a well known philanthropist YouTuber who's just like a young kid with a thin mustache, and like he figured out everything about Google's algorithm. Like he he figured out how it prioritizes videos, what the best length of video is, you know, like how how you know what kind of headlines will make you know will put you at the top of YouTube. And so if you if you log into YouTube without ever typing in your name, like you don't put in your Google account, you just log in, uh, like you bring up the front page of Google. Or sorry, you bring up the front page of YouTube, you will see Mr. Beast videos. And the reason why is because he has figured out exactly how it works. And one of the things that he has figured out is that if you look surprised at something, then that that is a picture that people will click on. So like the, the very simple, stupid algorithm of tricking humans is if you put up something like a, a, a picture of say like you know uh, you won't believe what happened here and it's like a city that's like covered in ice and then there's a little red circle that they've like highlighted something or a red arrow that points to something and there's a picture of someone's face looking shocked that is the video everyone clicks on that is that is the image that you're going to see on like everyone's YouTube video now because everyone knows that System, everybody knows that that is like the cover you need to use on a YouTube video to get people to click. The videos for Chat GPT all look the same. I went looking for factual information on YouTube about Chat GPT. I want to watch videos of um, the founder Altman talking about this program. What I got were literally 120 videos of like kind of like influencer looking guys in hoodies and sweaters in like dark rooms looking shocked and like pictures of like you know computers next to them or ai or like whatever and all the videos say the same thing which is like here's how to make a million dollars with chat gpt or here's how to make a hundred thousand dollars a day with ai or here's how to make x amount of money in bold letters with somebody like holding their face big eyes looking you know like they're surprised at something
0: um (laughs) it's it seems like we're just getting saturated like you see all that I know what you're talking about that surprise face and i have to admit now that facebook's got a similar thing to tiktok kind of these short these short posts with these like little plays that they're playing out oh wait look what happened to debbie you know what i mean right i i hate to think i hate to think i'm that much of an animal that i have to look at every single thing you know what i mean right <laughs> And they're all similar, to the same. They're kind of clever, and they're well—they're well produced. We'll put it that way.
1: Yeah. That—that that is a good point. Is like, YouTube has at least taught everyone to have a good production value. <laughs> you have clear audio. You don't have the—the the guy who's explaining woodworking doing it from underwater with a horrible microphone anymore. Like it—it's.
0: Oh no, they've come a long ways, right? And it's—and it's so less expensive. You don't need to have million dollars to produce a decent video right, right exactly
1: <laughs> so if you want the short and skinny of it no you can't make a million dollars a day using this ai you cannot take chat gpt plug it into your your work and then like you know make billions um chat gpt has limitations um what they're mostly advertising for these videos they're they're talking about three major industries where chat gpt is actually making money and it's 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 moderate like it's not a huge amount of money but it's decent what they're using it for is they're using it for copywriting for seo blogging and for um uh, blurbing so chat gpt is really good at writing very generic things um and and by the way there are other programs out there uh what's the one you just downloaded Jasper. Jasper. Um, there's also Surfer. Um, I use the ChatGPT Playground. Like, I just use the very generic ChatGPT. Um, so, these people, copywriters, SEO writers, and blurb writers, like Twitter blurbs, Facebook blurbs, they are using ChatGPT because it's, you know, if, if you ask it to write you a, a part of a novel, it, it has a limit. It can only process, like, you know, 000, four hundred thousand or 4,000 words or 5,000 words. So you're going to get pieces of a novel. Um, Not very helpful there. Uh, If you ask it to write you a short article, it'll do it. And it will do it, it'll be a generic article that has good points, and it will be very clearly written. It'll be based on like the, you know, if there's 100,000 articles out there about, you know, a type of shoe company, it'll give you... A sort of like it'll put all of those hundred thousand articles into a blender and it will give you a simple easy to read version of that um, So there are people online That's a good way of putting it. yeah, I like
0: the, I like the blending. I like the blending thing Okay, let's, let's just say for my business Joe. Let's do it. Yeah, um, we do you know we do you know re-engineered you um, We have for for years now we've done blog posts, and the blog post is to give us SEO um, search engine optimization for our show. And so once we do, I'll give an example. We, do, we record this show, and then we have a blog writer. We have writers now. And they'll write it based off of, you know, the, they just take it off exactly what we say. They just kind of, tra- what do you call it, transcripts? Right. And then those keywords, we're talking about self-awareness, we're talking about AI, then we get clicks on our blog, and then people listen to our show. Is if if I run our blog through this AI and do produce more of our blogs instead of one a week, I do let's just say one a day, because it's so much more cost effective. Is Google gonna recognize all that writing, or are they, or are they going to tag us for um, cheating? <laughs>
1: now that is the million dollar question, literally. Um, (laughs) all of these, uh, douchey looking guys looking surprised at the camera while they take a picture and like, that's their cover for YouTube claiming you can make a million dollars. That is how people are making money on it is they're utilizing a flaw in Google. Um, you know, if, if a company puts out, you know, one blog entry every, you know, every week, they're looked at as active. Google looks at them and they say, Hey, you're an expert. You put out a blog every week about self-awareness and self-help. You know, you you have backlinks and you have, you know, an active web page. We're going to use you in our front page. You're going to be like number five down on our list. If somebody looks up self-awareness, we're going to put you down at like six or seven because you have so much, you know, written every week. If we take an AI like this and we turn that up, like we, we turn the dial up because the AI is writing for us now and we put out, you know, a blog every every day instead or two blogs a day even... Um, Google's going to look at us and be like, wow, you're active. Like, like you are, you know, you're, you're turning the heat up and it will make us number two or three on the Google spots. Like it'll, it'll put us up higher, but that's just a flaw in Google's search program. Like it's, it's algorithm it uses it to search it, it right now is programmed to prioritize people who are prolific and write quickly and put out a lot of material and they write a lot on one subject the problem with that is Google has been known to change its algorithm. Google will adapt to the times. Like, they, they will look at the way people write, and they'll look at what's out there, and they'll say, okay, it, it, okay. for example, Google used to prioritize how many links you had. So, like, you know, uh, it, would, it would look at your webpage and be like, oh, you have 17 links on your webpage, you know, going to official sources. So people used to cram invisible links under their web page. There was a time where people would like take a hundred links to nothing. They would just like, you know, take a bunch of Wiki links, take a bunch of links from other blogs. They would just cram their web page with these links and then shove them at the bottom of the article and make them invisible. They they would like, you know, uh, like change the text color to like, you know, paper white. And they did this with keywords too. Like even before that, back in like the Windows 95 days. You would go and look for an article, and you would find, like, you know, at the bottom of a page, somebody would have put in, you know, a, a thousand keywords that wasn't about the article at all. They just copy pasted into the bottom. So Google has to adapt to shit like this. Google has to look at, you know, what are people using now to artificially prioritize themselves to the top of the page. The problem with ChatGPT is the articles it's spitting out aren't very helpful. I mean, they. We just spent an hour basically saying, it's amazing, it can fight for you in court, it can be your doctor, I mean, it can program for you. That's the one of the dangerous things we haven't really got to, is this thing can write code. The reason why Elon Musk was afraid of it is, you know, how long before somebody tells it, write your own code for yourself and make yourself smarter, infinitely. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like if you, I watched a video where somebody told it, write me the code for a pizza shop, include a menu, and make sure that it has, um, you know, links that go to the different toppings. And it did exactly that. It spit out a big line of HTML code that they could literally copy and paste it into their page. And it, it gave them a very basic web page. If Google looks at our website, like our the reengineered you, say we do this, we, we put out um, a, a blog every day or two blogs a day, um we'll get more traffic we will be prioritized we'll be put at the top of google's list but how long before google says you know um we can't you know like we're not prioritizing this anymore uh you know how long before they basically put out a code that says if you are putting out you know it, we're not going to look at how how much you blog we're going to look at how much your um how much traffic you get or how complex your words are google can actually decipher how complicated your language is or if you say anything new that isn't out there already google has the ability to basically filter for anything how long before it prioritizes for something like that instead of are you putting out seven generic blogs a day or are you putting out one decent one do you think it is immoral to do this like like if you know if we take like a blog or if we take like a business say i, I have my hypothetical shoe business and we put out, I mean, literally we could ask it to put out a hundred tweets a day and we could ask it to put out a hundred blog entries a day. There are websites doing this right now, by the way, there are, there are websites that are supercharging how fast they produce blogs and all they need is one good editor to edit all of these blog entries that chat GPT provides. Um, so is it, is it, do you think it's a moral right now to sort of use this to trick Google's code?
0: No, not immoral, but I, I, I'm concerned that there's just going to be no separation with it. Just, it kind of seems like it's taking the skill and the the ten thousand hours out of it, right? You know, I, <laughs> as great as technology, does that make sense? Yeah, does that sound like an old cranky old person?
1: No, this is this is a, <laughs> a very valid question. Is I mean, like once Google isn't the only game in town as far as making money. I mean, maybe ChatGPT itself becomes the new Google, and maybe it doesn't prioritize people who are writing these, these mass blogs. Maybe it just prioritizes people who have taken 10,000 hours worth of mastery and, like, they're writing the good stuff. Um,
0: well, and you're a professional writer, and I'm a very, very, very amateur writer, but I think sometimes then it gets to a point where, you have to have like this one percent brain. You have to write for fifteen years to see the difference.
1: Okay, let's. I, I, it, it, that is that is the question of the day. Um, so, Todd, you you have you have gotten us into our our big big question, which is, can this thing write as well as a human can at their peak? We we know it can write high school and college level blogs. We know it can write tweets. We know it can write basically like. Like everybody else online who thinks they can write, this thing can write as well as you can. Can it write as well as somebody who has spent their life writing a, a quote-unquote writer? Can it can it outdo a writer? Is this you know John Henry and the steam engine except with words? So, um, we did a test that w- when we started this whole podcast, we we mentioned that myself and a couple of writer friends really put this thing through the ringer. We we asked it. Rewrite Casablanca, you know, rewrite, you know, give us a medical diagnosis, do all these things. We found its limit. Um, so there's there's a contest, there's a couple of national contests that are very difficult to win. And um, myself and a couple other writers that I talk to online, we've placed, like we, we have either gotten placements or honorable mentions from it. Um, and I've, I've gotten a couple from East and West Coast um, uh, you know, writing groups like i i i don't really like to brag a whole lot on this podcast i know we bring it up all the time it's like like we don't like to brag we we talk about all the time um <laughs> my my thing is for me writing contests
0: followed by yeah f- followed by bragging followed by bragging <laughs>
1: um for me writing contests are my golf like like other some people go out on the weekends and they they you know they like to i don't know hit the nines what do you call it they they, they, they hit balls with putters um it sounded right to
0: me. Not a golfer, but I think you, for a I second, think you said yeah, for a
1: right. second, I had it right. <laughs> um, for me, like my weekend activity is I write competitive fiction. Like I, I write, you know, almost like a magazine style story, like something you would see published in the old sci-fi magazines. Except I write it as absolutely well as I can, as eloquently as I can, and I usually get like pretty consistently um, every year. I will get a quarterly award from somewhere. Um, It tells me, I mean, like, it's, uh, I will eventually publish books, but for me, I just really enjoy the craft of it, like, to an extreme degree. I love reading other people's entries. I devour the anthologies. I just want to see how well you can tell, you know, a story in a very short amount of time. Um, We asked ChatGPT to do the same. Um, The way we did this is, you know, my other writer friend, he asked it for advice on a story he was working on, and it gave him basically the advice an editor would give you. And it was good. It, it, it really worked. I fed it uh, something that won an Honorable Mention Award. Um, and this particular one was for Writers of the Future. Um, I also fed it uh, an award winner I got from Willamette Writers. And I also fed it an award winner I got from the um, the Margaret... Or no, sorry, the the Tom Howard Award on the, on the East Coast. And it looked at these... And the advice it gave back was, this is a really compelling story. It has, you know, a a mystery and a plot hook at the beginning. The characters express themselves well. This is the type of story that would be found in this anthology or contest. Nothing else. It basically said, good job. I don't know how to help you.
0: (laughs) Really? This was a push. Yeah,
1: it was a push. At the time, I was mad because, like, this wasn't a finalist or a big winner, so I was like, it's gonna tell me how to fix my short story and I'll re-enter it, and I'll win. Like this is gonna be the big one. Like, you know, I'll use ChatGPT and it'll take my my short honorable mention and it will make it into, you know, the the blockbuster. It, it will be, you know, the mega short story that wins. And ChatGTP was like, it's it's a good story. I don't know how to help. Like it didn't have any advice. Yeah, so there there are limits. It it can it can write Volumes and volumes and volumes of blog entries, but it's not going to compete with what you said, the the mastery of 10,000 hours. We will get there eventually. Um, there are people online who are taking sh- short stories chat GTP is spitting out, and they're putting it to um, animation. They're they're getting pictures that are generated by um, the artificial uh, image generator Dali, and they're basically using it to make... Short films, short comics, things like that, just experimenting with, you know, maybe in the future we will be able to sit down at an AI and say, I want to watch a movie. I want it to be about uh, a mystic fairy princess who has, you know, like, like that uses her brown loafers as her magic device. And every time she clicks her brown loafers together, it rains sheep. Like, like we'll be able to tell it absurd, ridiculous stuff. We'll be able to tell it our fantasies. We'll be able to tell it what we want to see. And it will write at my level. Eventually, we will have a system where it'll write it, and then it will show you it. That you'll be able to see images of it, and possibly even like video. Like we're we're getting close to that, Um, but it is not there. I think.
0: Well, I was talking. I was going over this with my wife last night, trying to show her how cool it was, and she was vaguely interested. But she talked about um, doing her own blog just for her LinkedIn. Her, you know, she's a project manager just ways of promoting yourself it's just such a time blur we all want to do a podcast or we all want to write a book or we all want to you know we all want to kind of um show about things we're interested in well this is really a, a time saver joe i mean yeah. uh, that's an understatement but <laughs> i mean it's, and isn't that what we're lacking is time we just if we, we could accomplish so much more if we had more time this is giving us more time yes I, I think that it's cutting it's cutting down a lot of the heavy lifting. I mean, I, I'm shocked at some of this stuff. Again, I'm not a writer like you, but some of this shit sounds pretty goddamn good. I mean, you have to really dig in there to find anything. They're spelled perfectly. Um, it mixes the words. I I, I don't know. It's, it's it's a little bit scary. <laughs> it's A little bit
1: scary. I think I think you hit on its its greatest strength right now, which is it can fill that niche and it can give you more time. Like it can it can. The little promotional things you do, you know, if you want to start your own small business and you just don't have the time to write something for everything you're going to sell. Like say say I have like 10 products and I don't have the time to write a description of every product. Or if I have like, you know, if I want to start a website but I actually don't know how to code. This is something I've run into. I actually re- in real life do want to start a website because I've got a you know, banger of an idea for um, handling intellectual property of short scripts. But the problem is that I don't have the coding ability and I don't have the time to sit down. Like, I've got clients. I don't have the time to sit down and have this thing write or to personally write, you know, a, a description of every article I'm trying to sell or, or, or how the IP works. So if if you have something that you've kind of had, you know, a, a personal business idea or you have a website or, or self-promotion to do, this is a great tool in the moment. Like like I I do suggest people try it just because it can help you in the short long short term. It will eventually you know once once the ocean online of words has gotten deeper and broader and it starts rising it will become harder and harder for you to differentiate yourself in the noise. Like it's this is going to increase the the noise in the world not lower it. But for the short short term Anybody who jumps onto this and uses it to fill those little time burglar niches, you're you're gonna you're gonna be ahead. Like this is actually going to be a very valuable tool. Um, I do want to say, like, when we talk about its limitations, um, The Atlantic put out an article about it, and their article was funny. It, it says, you know, like it. Its summary is that Chat GPT is not as good as we think it is, but it's something. Um, from the Atlantic quote, ChatGPT GPT wrote more, but I spared you the rest because it was so boring. The AI wrote another paragraph about accountability. It says if chat GPT says or does something inappropriate, who's to blame. Then it concluded the paragraph that restated the rest. It said, even in this in conclusion, and then it wrote a short, basic high school style five paragraph essay. Um, and that's what one of my writing friends said. We copied a couple of the blurbs that it was writing for us. And, uh, my buddy said it mostly comes off as something that could be written by a 12 or 15 year old. So great success. (laughs) So that to me is its limitation right now is, is sometimes you get college level ish, like low college level articles. Most of the time it comes off as basically a high schooler writing for you. And there's a lot of niches that can fill. Uh, A high schooler can definitely look up things that, you know, um, in law. A high schooler could look up law books. A high schooler could look up symptoms. A high schooler could look up a lot of things. So, like.
0: The problem with this, let me kick back on this, too. And even though that sounds unimpressive, there's certain value and volume of post volume of content just even in Amazon, you know, where, where if you just keep, you know, keep writing books and you keep getting the following of, of it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be, um, hem, you know, <laughs> or it's heavyweight to be, to get people successful if you can get ahead of it, right? I hate to say that, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's a lot, there's a lot of people that write not that great who are, you know, especially when it comes to content for, for your webpage or for whatever, you know.
1: Oh, you're, you're dead on. Right. And as of last week, it is now impossible to differentiate uh, school essays. Uh, teachers can no longer tell if it was written by an AI or their student. If you look at articles and blogs online, you can no longer tell because people are so quick to adopt this. If you go onto Fiverr right now, you can pay writers who are going to be using an AI and they pay you, they, they, articles now cost $5 an article instead of 30 because they can give you an AI article.
0: So that's another thing my wife uh, brought up, too. She said that the um, professors, um, being the academic that she is, they have software that can tell that you cheated and tag you. You're saying, that that's over.
1: Yeah. I actually used one of them. Um, one of our tests that we did, my, my writer friends and I, we, um, took, uh, we asked it to write us an essay, and we took it f- through a plagiarism checker that a college would use. And um, it didn't pick it up. Like the the plagiarism checker gave it a pass. It gave it the green check mark of this student did fine. Now grade it based on its merits. So, yeah, this if you're looking for something that's going to churn out just mass amounts of mostly mediocre, sometimes pretty good work um, to sort of fill out your business niche or to give you just like bulk to for your website or for copywriting. It's a good tool.
0: ChatGPT is challenging industries, but not the ones you might think. ChatGPT excels at looking across the ocean of human knowledge on the internet and distilling millions of words into a few simple sentences. It can emulate other writing styles, answer textbook questions, and piece together concepts from several different sources. But, by and large, it writes like a high schooler doing an essay, and rarely offers sources for its information. The jobs being threatened by chat, GPT, aren't novelists, industry pros, or creatives. The jobs being threatened are paid middlemen who specialize in cookie cutter forms and being able to reference field information for you. When a lawyer overcharges you for a standard license or a form you could have handled if you knew the legal documents you needed, ChatGPT will be there. When you explain every symptom you suffered to an overworked nurse over the phone and the only advice she can give you is to make an appointment next week, ChatGPT will be there someday. When customer service transfer you to another hold line, then another, then another, trying to find a department that isn't out to lunch, ChatGPT will be there. When you search for an answer on Google and you have to scroll through half of a page of paid content before you get to the real answers, ChatGPT will sure as hell be there. The head of ChatGPT, Sam Altman, said it best in a recent interview. AGI is the equivalent of a median human that you could hire as a co-worker. Nothing special. But then again, nothing special workers fill up a whole lot of space in our economy right now. You've been listening to The Re Engineered You. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You mean the world to us.
1: You can connect with us at www.re engineeredyoucom That's where we have research links, show notes, feedback, and maybe artificially intelligent written blog articles for each of our episodes.
0: We're not experts in anything, but we've got an opinion on everything. <music>